Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. number 877-381-3811 I hope you're well I hope you had a great weekend yeah I've been giving a lot of thought to the history of the Democrat Party and the history of the Republican Party the Democrat Party has a, a huge history of racism even beyond what some of you may know. And it's kind of genuflected from sort of old-time horrific racism to now American Marxism. But as I've said many times, the ism it doesn't support is Americanism. Americanism. I want to tell you a little bit about Woodrow Wilson. There are bridges with his name on it. There are buildings with his name on it. Princeton. He was governor of New Jersey. He was president of Princeton at one point. But I'm mentioning this because of all the things that have been eliminated, torn down, scratched off as a result of ties to slavery, the Civil War and racism, the Democrat Party has not. The Democrat Party was the party of the Confederacy. Jefferson Davis and his generals were Democrats. They were Democrats. The Democrat Party fought for slavery. The Democrat Party fought to divide the Union. Democrat Party, even after the Civil War, fought in the courts with Democrat judges 
to maintain segregation. The Democrat Party refused to ban lynching with a federal law for the longest period of time. In fact, Franklin Roosevelt, despite the pressure from his wife Eleanor, refused to support one of the bills. He said it might hurt his support in the South for his re-election in 1936. Franklin Roosevelt's first nominee and first justice on the Supreme Court was Hugo Black. Hugo Black was a lawyer for the Klan in Alabama. And I could go on and on, but I want to focus on Woodrow Wilson right now. Because the word doesn't get out. Maybe superficially, but it really doesn't get out. And certainly it's not taught in our schools. Woodrow Wilson resegregated the federal government. This is as presented by Vox seven years ago, Dylan Matthews. Easily the worst part of Wilson's record as president was his overseeing of the resegregation of multiple agencies of the federal government, which had been surprisingly integrated as a result of Reconstruction decades earlier, that is, by Republicans. <clears throat> At an April 11, 1913 cabinet meeting, Postmaster General Albert Burleson argued for segregating the railway mail service. He took exception to the fact that workers share glasses, towels, and washrooms. Wilson offered no objection to Burleson's plan for segregation, saying that he, quote, wished the matter adjusted in a way to make the least friction, unquote. Both Burleson and Treasury Secretary William McAdoo took Wilson's comments as authorization to segregate. The Department of Treasury and Post Office Department both introduced screened-off workplaces, separate lunchrooms, Separate bathrooms. In a 1913 open letter to Wilson, W.E.B. Du Bois, who had supported Wilson in 1912 election before being disenchanted by his segregation policies, wrote of, quote, one colored clerk who could not actually be segregated on account of the nature of his work and who subsequently had a cage built around him to separate him from his white companions of many years, unquote. That's right. Black people who couldn't logistically be segregated were put in literal cages. Outright dismissals were also common. Just just 100 years ago. Upon taking office, Wilson himself fired 15 out of 17 black supervisors in the federal service, replaced them with white people. After the Treasury and Post Office began segregating, many black workers were let go. The head of the Internal Revenue Division in Georgia fired all his black employees, saying there are no government positions for Negroes in the South, a Negro's place in the cornfield. To enable hiring discrimination going forward in 1914, the federal government began requiring photographs on job applications. In 1914, a group of black professionals led by newspaper editor and Harvard alumnus Monroe Trotter met with Wilson to protest the segregation. Wilson informed Trotter, segregation is not humiliating, but a benefit, and ought to be so regarded by you gentlemen. And Trotter insisted that it is untenable, in view of the established facts, to maintain that the segregation is simply to avoid race, race friction for the simple reason 
that for 50 years, white and colored clerks have been working together in peace and harmony and friendliness. Woodrow Wilson admonished him for his tone. He said, if this, or- <coughs> if this organization is ever to have another hearing before me, it must have another spokesman. Your manner offends me, your tone with its background of passion. Well, it's worth stressing that Wilson's policies were racist even for his time. Presidents Teddy Roosevelt and William Howard Taft had much better were had been much better about appointing black statesmen to public office, and other political figures, including whites, attacked Wilson's moves towards segregation. The influential pro civil rights journalist Oswald Garrison Villard wrote that the Wilson administration, quote, has allied itself with the forces of reaction and put itself on the side of every torture, of every oppressor, of every perpetrator of racial injustice in the South or the North. And he further attacked it for its political stupidity. He said the administration is put into the hands of the Republican Party, an issue which, if they have the sense to use it, may be just the touchstone they are seeking. Villa was taken seriously by the White House, which tried to court him on the issue and offered hints that it might be changing its tone. He met with Wilson and corresponded with him on racial issues numerous times. But the segregation policies were never reversed. It goes on. Wilson's racism even extended to foreign affairs. While it had been customary to appoint black ambassadors to Haiti and Santo Domingo, now the Dominican Republic. Wilson didn't do that either. And as the Versailles Convention in 1919, Wilson helped kill a proposal from Japan, calling for the treaty to recognize the principle of racial equality. And while 11 out of 17 members at the meeting considering the amendment favored it, Wilson, who was presiding, arbitrarily decided the amendment had been defeated because the vote wasn't unanimous. This wasn't an actual rule that the proceedings were operating under. A simple majority was enough to decide that the League of Nations would be headquartered in Geneva. Wilson just really didn't want the treaty to recognize racial equality and wanted to appease the British Empire, which was premised on subjugating African and South Asian people. Wilson was governor of New Jersey when he became president in 1913. But he'd been born in Virginia and raised in Georgia and South Carolina. He was, historian William Kellyer notes, the first Southerner elected to the presidency since Zachary Taylor in 1848. Southern racists, accordingly, rejoiced his election. Washington was flooded with revelers from the old Confederacy, whose people had long dreamed of a return of the glory days. Rebel yells and the strains of Dixie reverberated throughout the city. Wilson himself was the descendant of Confederate soldiers. He identified deeply with the lost cause narrative, according to which the Confederacy was a government of noble men trying to preserve a a decent agrarian way of life against crude northern industrialists rather than a separatist movement premised on white supremacy. Historian Wesley Moody describes Wilson's most famous book as an ac- as an academic a history of the American people as steeped in lost cause mythology. And the book was generally sympathetic to the Ku Klux Klan, describing them as men half outlaw, denied the suffrage without hope of justice in the courts, who meant to take this means to make their will felt. This means being violence and intimidation. 
And the following quote from the book even made it into the movie The Birth of a Nation, D.W. Griffin's infamous feature valorizing the Ku Klux Klan as saviors of the South. But this was a quote in the movie, but from Woodrow Wilson's book, quote, The white men were roused by a mere instinct of self-preservation until at last there had sprung into existence a great Ku Klux Klan, a veritable empire of the South to protect the Southern country, Woodrow Wilson. Let's one think this is a misrepresentation of Wilson's views. The birth of a nation actually cut off the most racist part of the first half of the quote. The first half of the quote. The white men of the South were aroused by the mere instinct of self-preservation to rid themselves, by fair means or foul, of the intolerable burden of government sustained by the votes of ignorant Negroes and conducted in the interest of adventurers. And that was only the last of three Wilson title cards in the film. This one came first. Wilson again. Adventurers swarmed out of the North, as much of the enemies of the race as of the other, to cause and beguile and use the Negroes. In the villages, the Negroes were the office holders, men who knew none of the uses of authority except in insolences. And then this from Woodrow Wilson. The policy of the congressional leaders wrought a veritable overthrow of civilization in the South and their determination to put the white South under the heel of the black South. For his part, Wilson lent the birth of the nation his approval by screening it at the White House. Elsewhere in the book, Wilson attacked Reconstruction on the grounds that the dominance of an ignorant and inferior race was justly dreaded, quote-unquote. And he was strongly against black suffrage. The end of uh, Reconstruction, he said Negro rule under unscrupulous adventures had been finally put an end to in the South, and the natural inevitable ascendancy of the whites, the responsible class, established. Wilson's racism wasn't the matter of a few unfortunate remarks here or there. It was a core part of his political identity, as indicated both by his anti-black policies as president and by his writing before taking off. It's completely accurate to describe him as a racist, a white supremacist, and condemn him accordingly. Did you know all that, Mr. Producer? So in 2015... The students at Princeton wanted to remove Wilson's name from the university. And here was this tweet. Insanity breaks out of Princeton. Now Woodrow Wilson is a racist pig enough. Stand firm, President Eisgruber. November 19, 2015. You know who wrote that, Mr. Producer? Joe Scarborough. Because Joe never knows what he's talking about. And he has a very big mouth. I could give you the history of Wilson. I could give you the history of Roosevelt. FDR would not allow Jesse Owens to visit the White House with the other gold medalists from the 1936 Berlin Olympics. He was not invited. He didn't receive a telegram. He was snubbed by FDR. Consider what Lincoln did after his speech in 1864. Consider what Lincoln did, I guess 1865, his 
second inaugural. There was Frederick Douglass trying to get into the White House and get into the room where Lincoln was, and the army stopped him. And what did Lincoln do? He said, no, 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 let that gentleman through. That's my friend, Frederick Douglass. And he asked Frederick Douglass how his speech won, and Douglass praised it. How do we know? Because this is what Frederick Douglass wrote down about his meeting with Lincoln. FDR was no Lincoln. Even 80 years later. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Now, Woodrow Wilson, there's a reason for this. History is important. Woodrow Wilson was among the top, I would say, three, certainly the top five, intellectuals of the so-called progressive movement, that is, early American Marxism. He rejected the Declaration of Independence. You can see why. You can see why. He's been celebrated and embraced really for decades and decades by the Democrat Party. Only now do they seek to rewrite his history But all that said, Wilson's not the only one. And it's not just quote-unquote Southerners. It's Northerners, too. You can't find any president, Republican president, who's anything like or close to what Wilson was. I'll be right back. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. 
That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. This is the Ministry of Truth. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now, 877-381-3811. You know, I got to tell you folks something, and I think you can see it now, too. One of the reasons I use this platform and my books, one of the reasons, one of the reasons this is important to me, is to try and push the national debate. Before the book American Marxism came out, people weren't talking about Marxism. Nor were they talking about economic socialism. Oh, they mention it here and there. But more and more people are trying or people are figuring out the Marxist fundamental foundation to the Democrat Party, to the arguments they make, even to economic socialism, critical race theory, to all these things. I can see Fox Nations working on it now. This is very, very important. We talked about the classrooms, the parents' movement. This is very, very important. And just so you know, I don't let grass grow under my feet. My wife will tell you this. I'm working on another book. It's a tremendous amount of work. I've been spending months thinking about it, writing notes to myself, drafting, ripping it all up, starting all over again, as I did with American Marxism. But it's very important that people know what's taking place. It's like Liberty and Tyranny, which was the foundational book for the Tea Party movement. Or the Liberty Amendments, the foundational book for the Article 5 movement. Now, I understand I'm not going to get these glowing write-ups and so forth, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the head. I'm telling you, you're in the right place. I don't just do hit-and-run radio. I'm not Henny Youngman here cracking jokes left and right. Now and then, I like to crack a joke. We all like to have a good time, but I think this stuff through. And I use this platform, I think, differently than most. Why did I read you this story about Woodrow Wilson? Because the Democrat Party is fundamentally evil. It's fundamentally anti-American. Whether you look at the Civil War, whether you look at Reconstruction, whether you look at post-Reconstruction in the late 1800s, Plessy versus Ferguson, whether you look into the early 1900s with the likes of Woodrow Wilson, whether you look into the 30s and 40s with the likes of Franklin Roosevelt, who was no friend of blacks or Jews or Asians, period. Then when you look in the 1950s and the segregationists, and you look in the 1960s and the filibusters against the 1964, <coughs> excuse me, the 1964 and 65, Civil Rights Act. And then you look today, where they've abandoned that approach, the party has, the Democrat Party, but they've embraced another miserable approach. And so you hear all this talk about white supremacy now, white domination now, critical race theory. You hear all this anti-family stuff and anti-faith stuff. And open borders. So that party has genuflected. 
but it still embraces evil. It still embraces alien ideologies and doctrines. It still rejects the Declaration of Independence, which is the the formal consensus statement of the founding of the nation. It still rejects the Constitution. And so this is very, very important to understand and for us to discuss at length. So that's why I talked about Woodrow Wilson, because most of you don't know about Woodrow Wilson, and yet he was a leading founding father of this American Marxist movement. Of this American Marxist movement. You know, when Marx died in 1883, his writings weren't that widespread. I mean, he wrote a lot, and Engels wrote a lot. His writings weren't all that influential, except with a relative handful of goons and so forth. It wasn't until later when individuals embraced it and started to promote it, including here in the United States. And there were many. And I wrote about them in Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. But Woodrow Wilson was among them. He was among them. He was one of their intellectuals, one of their scholars. And this was the new wave of indoctrination. This was the new ideology, which they call progressivism. First they called it populism, and then they called it progressivism. And you hear the strain of the same arguments out of Joe Biden's mouth, who was also a racist, and has a long history of being a racist, not just in what he says, but in what he did. And then he decided the better way to gain power and keep power was to repackage. And so now he is the most prominent voice or I should say, uh, body through which, or entity through which, this American Marxism operates, his administration, his regime. This is very important to understand. Now, let me move to a few other issues here. Lindsey Graham's taking a lot of heat, because he's proposing, and this is something he proposes every year or two, a national ban on abortion, I think it's up to the 14th or 15th week. <clears throat> and he did it again a week or two ago. And because the media are positioning the Democrats as pro-women, Graham's coming under a lot of heat and attack. We want to discuss inflation. We want to discuss the border. We want to discuss crime. We don't want to discuss abortion. We don't want to defend Trump. And we don't want to do all these other things. Now, ladies and gentlemen, who are we and what are we? This is all McConnellism. We're supposed to push fiscal conservatism, and yet most Republicans in Congress aren't fiscal conservatives, despite what they say. They spend like drunken sailors. The problem is the Democrats spend like drunken Marxists. So I'm just speaking frankly with you. When the spending was going on the last several years, you only heard from one voice behind this microphone condemning it. 
Everyone thought it was a boring subject. Let's get on. We have other stuff. Well, there's a lot to talk about, but that was always important to talk about. Always. And always is. So now they're all fiscal conservatives. I do think we need to run on inflation and run on all these issues. We need to win Congress, both houses. But we ought not abandon our principles. What else shouldn't we talk about that we believe in? The problem is Republicans don't know how to talk. When it comes to abortion, they should focus on where the Democrats are most vulnerable. Where are they most vulnerable? They don't believe on any limits. That's not what Roe versus Wade said or Casey versus Planned Parenthood. They believed in limits. The Democrats don't believe in limits. And what they want to do is impose on the entire country abortion right up to the last second of birth. And Republicans should seize on that. Because the vast majority of America does not support that. And that's why you don't see a single poll from any cable channel, from any newspaper, from any university asking the question, the real question, do you support the Democrat position that abortion should be legal right up to birth? That's their position. Not codifying Roe, codifying death. And what's the science say about that? The science says it's a baby. When you're about to give birth, it's a baby. There's no dispute in that. But it undermines the entire narrative. So you won't hear Jake Tapper talk about this. You won't hear Nicole Wallace talk about this. You won't hear Joe Scarborough talk about this. You won't hear the reprobates, malcontents, and miscreants dressed up as hosts and guests on these cable shows talk about it. You won't see it written up in the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost. You won't see it discussed on the Sunday shows. But I discuss it all the time. Because it's important to understand what the Democrats actually stand for. The most radical, most radical form of population control anywhere in the world. We don't treat dogs this way. But here's the problem with Lindsey Graham's proposal. Professor Glenn Reynolds has written about it, and he's 100% correct, and I've mentioned this too. The federal government does not have the authority to do what Lindsey Graham wants to do. It's left to the states, exactly as the Supreme Court said. Congress doesn't have plenary power to pass laws and everything at once. Its actions must, too, have some basis in some part of the United States Constitution. Article 1, as Glenn Reynolds points out, spells out a long list of things Congress can do, but the list, while long, isn't all-embracing. Congress has the power to lay and collect taxes, borrow money, declare war, establish post offices and post roads, etc. But wide latitude isn't the same thing as carte blanche. The farthest-reaching power of Congress is the power to regulate commerce among the several states, quote-unquote. Even since Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal, and more accurately ever since, he threatened to pack the Supreme Court, the High Court has given Congress wide latitude in regulating what has come to be called interstate commerce. 
As recently as in the 1990s, though, the argument that the Commerce Clause would authorize an abortion ban as a regulation of commerce among the several states would have had some force. Yet even then, many Federalists, many of us, would have said no. But since that time, the Supreme Court has spoken. It has agreed, holding repeatedly now, that Congress's power under the Commerce Clause extends only to, well, the regulation of commerce. We have a 1995 case called United States versus Lopez. And we have subsequent cases. And so is regulation of abortion, the regulation of commerce among the several states? It's hard to see how. Abortion is an interstate commerce. It takes place entirely in one state. And regulation of medical procedures is traditionally the domain of the states, not the federal government. So it's a very weak, if not fatal, argument to say under the quote-unquote commerce clause, I would argue, that you could even drive the abortion issue through it. So I would say this bill is unconstitutional, and any bill like it is unconstitutional, including if the Democrats pass a bill that states in all cases abortion will be permitted, whether or not any state likes it or not, and so forth and so on. Congress doesn't have the power to codify abortion. And Lindsey Graham's bill, whether you support it or not, is unconstitutional. So the Democrat vote for abortion, for anything, anytime, even up to the last second before birth, is unconstitutional. And Lindsey Graham's proposal, which is not radical in the least, most European countries have done exactly what Lindsey Graham is proposing, which is probably why he's doing it, have embraced his his idea, but they don't have our Constitution. So it's left to the states. So when you have people out there saying abortion is my number one issue, so I'm voting for Democrats at the national level, why? Number one, they can't do a damn thing about it. And number two, you sure you support them? Because do you understand what they support? Particularly those of you who've had children, Do you know what happens to abort a baby before birth? They take a syringe that's about 12 inches long, and they shove it into the soft spot at the top of the head. They have to kill it in the womb, and they drain the brains out and kill it. Do you know how badly that baby suffers? Just because you don't hear it scream? Do you know how agonizing that is, your own flesh and blood? It makes me cringe. The Democrats support abortion, including up to that point, and we even had one, and I'm sure there are others, who used to be the governor of Virginia who supported infanticide. Be careful what you vote for, ladies. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. 
The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. We talked about Wilson and the Democrat Party. We talked about abortion. Now let's talk about Planned Parenthood. If we only had an honest media in this country, things would be quite different. They're the greatest danger we face, the corrupt media. Planned Parenthood was founded by a woman who was a racist just like Woodrow Wilson. She promoted abortion, Planned Parenthood, the organization she founded, because she wanted to see more black babies aborted and mentally handicapped and physically handicapped. That's where abortion got its real birth, so to speak, in this country, by another racist. And she had ties to the Klan, too, she spoke at a Klan major convention and event and did from time to time. She was very popular. Her name was Margaret Sanger. So the Democrat Party and this obsession with abortion has existed for over a hundred years. So again, I would encourage those of you who just think this is a simple, yes, of course I'm for it. You need to think. You need to understand what's going on. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Planned Parenthood and other such organizations have been handing out Margaret Sanger Awards of the equivalent now for decades. They've pulled back. Hillary Clinton got one once. They pulled back. Because as the rewritten history gets straightened out, It's important to understand who Margaret Sanger was. 
And the Democrats celebrated her up to just a few years ago. And so it is. Margaret Sanger said some horrific things and pushed for horrific things. It's what she did. <coughs> it's what she did. And the Planned Parenthood organization is her legacy. And you and I have been funding that organization for decades. And any effort to try and defund that organization has been blocked by the Democrats. This issue of abortion has evolved into an issue of women's rights and a woman's body. That's not what it was originally. Not even close. It was an effort by a racist who even created what she called the Negro Project to try and enlist black ministers into promoting quote-unquote birth control in which she included, not just included, but pushed abortion for black women. That's what she did. It's called eugenics, as most of you know. Planned Parenthood, through its various entities, gives an enormous amount of money to Democrats in their elections. Fights for abortion laws all over the country. This is the truth. She was what she was. Uh, the fact that it was pointed out some time ago, Washington Times piece, but it's everywhere. You don't need to just go to the Washington Times. They point out Arena Grasso many years ago. Recent articles have reported on an unearthed video from 1947. The Margaret Sanger demanding no more babies for 10 years in developing countries. A couple of years ago, she was named one of Time Magazine's 20 most influential Americans of all time. She founded Planned Parenthood. Was a big activist in the eugenics movement. Sanger shaped the eugenics movement in America and beyond in the 30s and 40s. Her views and those of her peers in the movement contributed to compulsory sterilization laws in 30 states that resulted in more than 60,000 sterilizations of vulnerable people, including people she considered feeble-minded idiots and morons, morons quote-unquote. She even presented at a Ku Klux Klan rally in 1926 in Silver Lake, New Jersey. She recounted this event in her autobiography. And I quote, I accepted an invitation to talk to the woman's branch of the Ku Klux Klan. I saw through the door dim figures parading with banners and illuminated crosses. I was escorted to the platform, was introduced, and I began to speak. And in the end, through simple illustrations, I believe I had accomplished my purpose. A dozen invitations to speak to similar groups were proffered. That she generated enthusiasm among some of America's leading racists says something about the content and tone of, of her remarks. In a letter to Clarence Gable in 1939, Margaret Sanger wrote, We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. And the minister is the man who can strengthen out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. 
That's her commenting on the so-called Negro Project in a letter to Gamble, December 10, 1939. Her own words and television appearance leave no room for parsing. For example, she wrote many articles about eugenics in the journal she founded in 1917, the Birth Control Review. Her articles included some moral aspects of eugenics, the eugenic conscience, the purpose of eugenics, birth control and positive eugenics, and birth control, the true eugenics, to name a few. And she did more than that. She did more than that. So I just point this out to you. And in 2020, 2020, Planned Parenthood finally disavowed Margaret Sanger over eugenics. New York Times put it this way, Planned Parenthood in New York disavows Margaret Sanger over eugenics. Ms. Sanger, a feminist icon and reproductive rights pioneer, supported a discredited belief in improving the human race through selective breeding. That's how Nikita Stewart wrote it. She said her legacy also includes supporting eugenics, a discredited belief in improving the human race through selective breeding, often targeting poor people, those with disability, immigrants, and people of color. She was particularly targeting black people, or to quote her, Negroes. The removal of Sanger's name from our building is both a necessary and overdue step to reckon with our legacy and acknowledge Planned Parenthood's contributions to historical reproductive harm within communities of color, said Karen Seltzer, the chair of the New York Affiliates Board, said in a statement. So there you have Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood. Woodrow Wilson. And so much more. Now, Democrats typically resort to the argument, but look at all the good our party did. Look at all the great people in our party. That's interesting, isn't it? They always do this because they don't want you to look at all the other people in their party. The racists. Today, the anti-Semites. The AOCs. The Talibs. The Omars. The Bakers, the Presleys, do they condemn them? No, they don't condemn them. And they're openly anti-Semitic. Do you hear anything from them? The party regulars, the party leaders, not a thing. And you're not going to. You have this guy, Ken Burns, who's put out a many-part series about America and the Holocaust. And it's a little confounding, isn't it? He says that Americans who wanted to know that the Holocaust was taking place could have known. Why was there an internet? Since the media was censoring it for the most part, it's hard that most Americans could have known. We've had scholar after scholar after scholar. They've written one book after another after another. These are historians. These are professors who say that Franklin Roosevelt and the anti-Semites here at the Department of State and some at the War Department wanted to keep a lid on this. We know the New York Times 
wanted to keep a lid on it. We know the Washington Post wanted to keep a lid on it. Again, these are Democrat icons and Democrat surrogates. The Post and the Times. So this constant rewriting of history about the evil nature of the Democrat Party. Well, what about Johnson and the 64 and 65 Civil Rights Acts? Well, what about it? What about it? I've said the civil rights battles were really a battles between and among Democrats. It wasn't Republicans standing in the schoolhouse doors. It wasn't Republicans who opposed blacks from voting. It wasn't Republicans who put in literacy tests and other requirements for blacks to vote. It's all Democrats. Jefferson Davis was a Democrat. Bull Connor was a Democrat. Well, what about John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy and LBJ? They were Democrats. I understand. But the point is the Republicans weren't doing this. No Republican governors. None. Even some of the Republicans who voted against the Civil Rights Act of 64. They stated over and over again why they did it. You don't have to agree with them. They said it was a federalism issue. Buckley thought it was a federalism issue, and he later said he was wrong. Goldwater later said he was wrong. But they didn't vote against the Civil Rights Act of 64, and they were in a very small minority, the case of Goldwater. Because they believed in racism or segregation, Goldwater did not. He rejected it. He was more libertarian than even conservative in many respects. So when you go to vote in November, people need to understand what's taking place here. The Democrat Party, with their media, with their entertainment wing, Hollywood, and now with their, with their oligarchs in, uh, on the Internet, the Internet companies, have done a hell of a job with propaganda and lying. And it's going to be my job. I'm committed to this. I'm committed to this. To unravel it. All of it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's a another something else pure talk is going to give you this month when you switch to pure talk you pay for month one and pure talk will give you month two for free so do this just go to puretalk.com choose your plan then enter promo code levin podcast that's l-e-v-i-n podcast and check out and get your second month free go to puretalk.com enter promo code levin podcast to switch to my company pure talk Democrat Party and immigration. 
The borders are wide open except for their backyards. Isn't it interesting? We haven't heard from Barack Obama or Michelle Obama. The king and queen of America, if you will. Some view them that way, for sure. The Obamas have a home on Martha's Vineyard. They weren't asked anything. Why didn't they help these people? 50 migrants. Michelle Obama goes on and on and on, like Castro, all the time, about white privilege. She goes on and on and on about how people of color are mistreated. She being worth hundreds of millions of dollars in a white supremacist nation. But how come, seriously, they weren't asked about this? Strange, isn't it? They have a mansion worth millions on Martha's Vineyard. They have a mansion worth millions in the toniest area of Washington, D.C. They have a mansion worth millions on the island of Hawaii. They have a home worth millions in the Chicago area. God knows what else they have. But I do notice they don't have a lot of immigrants near them or around them. Let alone people of color in their neighborhoods, in their direct neighborhoods. What's that all about? I noticed the Kennedys weren't asked about the migrants on Matha's Vineyard or whether they should be near the Hyannisport Kennedy compound. Plenty of places that can house these people. Lots of room. Lots of land, lots of money. It's true. These are all Democrat holdouts and hangouts, of course. What next? Beverly Hills? Oh, my God. Palm Springs? Whoa. What you talking about? What next? Society Hill, Philadelphia? I could go on and on. But whatever you do, don't send them to Washington because Muriel Bowser, the mayor of Washington, D.C., an African-American woman, she says, look, no. No, we can't handle a few thousand migrants. That's okay. 8,500, 8,000 are coming across the southern border every day. Little southern border towns are getting overwhelmed. Towns in the southwest are being overwhelmed. Millions have come across the border. Our party's responsible for it. That is the Democrat Party. Our president's responsible for it. That is Biden. But who cares? It doesn't bother us here in Washington, in New York. Math is vineyard. And then all of a sudden they show up. My God, I thought it was just on TV. Border towns are overrun. But Muriel Bowser, well, she's got the perfect answer. Ready, America? The mayor of Washington, D.C. Cut 10, go. 
We're not a border town. We don't have an infrastructure uh, to handle uh, this this type of and a level of immigration to our city. But we will will create a new normal here in our infrastructure and have a, a humane welcome for people and an efficient, um, you know, service provision. But we we don't have the ability. We're not Texas. Oh, what does that mean? What does that mean? That means we here in Washington, D.C., we're not Texas. Don't overrun us with these foreigners, these people here. We don't have the capacity to handle them. But I would remind Muriel Bowser, these people aren't just hanging out in Texas. The Biden administration has had at least 900 transport, air transports, migrants all over the country. All over the country. And, uh, but the border towns are the hardest hit. You got towns with 34,000 people, 15,000 people. Washington has like five, 600,000 population. What, they, they can't handle it? No. Not in our backyard. Not in our backyard. No. Then we have State Representative Dylan Fernandez. Representative Martha's Vineyard. He was on WPLG yesterday. Well, Dylan, what's the problem over there at Martha's Vineyard? It's an island, 50 people. What's the big deal? Cut 11, go. My question to you is if you had gotten notice as a sanctuary state, a sanctuary city, had you gotten notice of this, would this have been okay for you? Well, look, you know, the, these governors are um, they're trying to create and manufacture a humanitarian crisis and they want uh, they wanted to create chaos. Well, I can't answer the question. Why are they creating chaos? It's called equity. Shouldn't Martha Vineyard, Martha's Vineyard, take some people who are needy? I think Arthur's Vineyard is a perfect place. I just wish they'd also send them to Rehoboth Beach, right outside of the walled Biden compound, built the compound by the Chinese and the wall by the American taxpayer. Be right back. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's an Another something else Pure Talk is going to give you. This month, when you switch to Pure Talk, you pay for month one, and Pure Talk will give you month two for free. So do this. Just go to puretalk.com, choose your plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And check out and get your second month free. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. 
The Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Representative Ro Khanna, Democrat, California, represents Silicon Valley. What about this border, asked John Roberts. By the way, John Roberts is a great reporter. That, that whole team is terrific. Just terrific. Cut 12, go. Is the border secure? Well, I recognize their voices, Senator Manchin and uh, Representative Cuero. Look, I think we can do more to secure the border, but what that looks like but, is but comprehensive is it, is it, immigration is it reform. It's secure, but we can make it securer. I mean, how, I, how I, is, the, how, I'm sorry, Congressman. How is it secure when 2.35 million people by the 31st of this month will have come across the border illegally? Well, there are more border agents down there, in my view, uh, by the numbers than were even there under President Obama or President Bush. So, but why is it not secure? Let's have an honest conversation. One of the reasons is you have employers here saying, come, come work for us. Uh, Congressman, Congressman, you have employers who say, that doesn't answer the question. Why don't you have a wall up there and why isn't the wall built and why isn't the border secure it's because of mealy mouth guys like you who say it is but we can do better it's not and you're not doing better this is a disaster it's harming people it's killing people it's a disaster so why do you speak like this You say you want to have an honest discussion. But you're not having an honest discussion. Go ahead. Come across the border. They're coming without the paperwork. And many of them want to go back. But there's no process. And this is why we had a gang of eight. We had comprehensive immigration reform. Okay, okay, okay. okay. You had a gang of eight. You had comprehensive immigration reform. That wouldn't have fixed anything. What we have right now is endless amnesty. No matter what kind of immigration laws we would have in effect, in place, when you're inviting people to come to the country illegally, as you and your party are doing, as Biden is doing, the consequences are disastrous. You're deflecting. Go ahead to work and go back. There should be a process. That was President George W. Bush's proposal. And we can have increased technology and security. We had a secure border before your party took over, Congressman. I don't care what George W. Bush's proposal was. I don't care about proposals, the Gang of A, what could have been, how would have been, what should have been. We've had a discussion in this country. You guys run everything. You wouldn't have a problem with Republicans supporting to complete the wall. You wouldn't have a problem with Republicans supporting 87,000 agents on the border rather than at the IRS to harass American citizens. What's going on? And then we have Ellie Mistel. This guy's with The Nation magazine, which is a crap, radical, commie magazine in my view. And he's brought on MSNBC constantly. Why? Because he's an a-hole. He's a buffoon. He's a moron. You hear me, pal? I'm talking about you, Ellie. Ellie Mistel. If that is his name, Mistel, I don't know how to pronounce it. Cut 13, go. 
If I roll down and find a bunch of teenagers and I say, look, kids, hop in my van. I'm going to take you to Disney World. And I take them to Bush Gardens, you know, and I take them to, to old Williamsburg. That's kidnapping. I didn't take Let me educate kid- you, moron. First of all, you're a bigot. These are adults who are making these decisions. They actually signed papers. Papers that they were going to Massachusetts. So you use business language like they're children. I take kids in my van. Number two, they came to this country illegally. They found a way into this country by hook or by crook. So again, you're not talking about kids. Bunch of teenagers. You're not talking about Disney World and Bush Gardens. Number three, why so hyped up about 50 people of color going to a place where there's almost no people of color. What's your problem with that, pal? Moron. You're predictable, and you're predictably stupid. Go ahead. So that was going to take the kids, right? So I think that in this case, Ron DeSantis told these people, including children, that we take into one place, Boston, which would have services where they would get expedited work pieces, where they would be have housing, and then sent them to a different place. Let's stop a second. This idiot doesn't even know what kidnapping is. It's taking people against their will, number one. Making it impossible for them to leave. These were volunteers who signed papers. We have all the facts. DeSantis, Abbott, Ducey, they're not as stupid as Ellie Mistel. It's not kidnapping. But Ellie wants it to be kidnapping, you see. Because to have people of color on Martha's Vineyard really strikes at the heart of the matter, doesn't it? They can be anywhere in the country, just not in Democrat areas. Don't send them to Chicago. Don't send them to New York. And by God, whatever you do, don't send them to Martha's Vineyard. I think we should send them to the nation. Although I don't know if they're working in the office anymore, these clowns, probably working at home. Go ahead. That is kidnapping. and the No, it isn't, we- moron. Go ahead. Understand that is unfortunately at this point not... Ron DeSantis, not Greg Abbott. We need yeah. Merrick Garland once again to understand that and bring the full weight of the federal government down on these people. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we need to arrest them. We need to put them in prison because some schmuck by the name, what's his name again? Ellie Mistel has decided this is kidnapping and the best way to deal with your opponents is to arrest them and throw them in prison. It's kidnapping because Ellie Mistel says it's kidnapping. Jackass, but he's not alone. We have Meddy Hansen on MSNBC. Go ahead, Meddy. Cut 14, go. Molly, it was your Atlantic colleague, Adam Sower, who coined the line, the cruelty is the point. What oh, kind he of coined po- that line, did he? He's a poet and he didn't even know it? The cruelty is the point. The cruelty is the point. Have you seen what's going on in the southern border, Meddy? Medi, have you seen what's going on on the southern border? The women are being raped. The kids are being molested. The parents and the kids are being separated. Have you seen it, Medi? Have you seen the drugs coming across? Have you seen uh, 
any of the dead, the 110,000 dead Americans, many, as a result of fentanyl, mostly produced by the communist Chinese, brought to our country by the drug cartels, many. Have you seen it, many? Have you seen the over one border towns, many? 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 Go ahead. A self-proclaimed proud Christian ships a newborn baby across the country like livestock. Oh, you see, he shipped a newborn baby across the country like livestock. A self-proclaimed proud Christian. So let's trash Christianity. Let's trash, trash DeSantis' faith. Did we trash your faith, Mehdi Hassan, for being the a-hole and moron that you are? We would never do such a thing, you moron, you schmuck. And he shipped a baby all by itself. He shipped a baby all by itself to Martha's Vineyard. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? It's a lie. A newborn baby he shipped across the country like livestock. So if you're one of the one of the fools who sits here and watches this guy's show, one of the 17 of you, this is what you're hearing from Mehdi Hassan and his buddy Ellie Mistel. Doing a good job there, Comcast, with your MSNBC. Go ahead. Political point to own the libs. I mean, the cruelty, the cynicism is unfathomable. It's unfathomable, the cruelty sending people to Martha's Vineyard. Oh, the... The horror, the the cruelty, it's unfathomable to send 50 people to Martha's Vineyard. Oh, my God. A newborn baby. Governor DeSantis threw a newborn baby onto a plane and had the baby flown to Martha's Vineyard without its parents. Not true. Well, but I want it to be true. And he says he's a proud Christian. He says he's a proud Christian. Molly. Can you believe this, Molly? It's unbelievable. And then, of course, there's Van Jones on the Constipated News Network. Van Jones. Man of the people. Well, man of the Marxists. But nonetheless, cut 16, go. Well, and it's just it's really shameful. Um, you know, there is a way to handle something like this. Uh, look, I think we need uh, more immigration, not less. I mean, we probably if we can. There get you more- go. Van Jones, always the man of reason. We need more immigration, not less. More. And why is that van? How many people are named after an automobile? But nonetheless, go ahead working and probably help with inflation and everything else but there is an order so the more to- people who come into america will help with inflation and exactly what economist believes that the more people here will create more work and help with inflation oh really not if you're handing them subsidies but van we don't even know who's coming here Van, we don't even know who's coming here. Why is it assumed everybody wants to work? Everybody, even in our own country, doesn't want to work. Go ahead. Uh, Unfortunately, there's a complete breakdown. Ah, shut up, you idiot. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's an another something else pure talk is going to give you this month when you switch to pure talk you pay for month one and pure talk will give you month two for free so do this just go to puretalk.com choose your plan then enter promo code levin podcast that's l-e-v-i-n podcast and check out and get your second month free go to puretalk.com enter promo code levin podcast to switch to my company pure talk Well, well, Mr. Producer, a Texas sheriff has opened an investigation under the circumstances surrounding Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' decision to fly a group of migrants from San Antonio to Martha's Vineyard, his agency tweeted Monday evening. So you see the Democrats push for something and their Democrat hacks in law enforcement. Well, they react. Javier Salazar, can we see if we can get him on the show, Mr. Producer? The sheriff of Bexar County, which includes San Antonio, held a news conference on the migrant flight. Salazar is a Democrat, while DeSantis is a Republican. The Bexar County Sheriff's Office is open an investigation into the migrants that were lured from the Migrant Resource Center located in Bexar County, Texas, and flown to Florida, where they were ultimately left to fend for themselves in Martha's Vineyard. The sheriff's office tweeted, additionally, we're working with private attorneys who are representing the victims as well as advocacy groups regarding this incident. So they're bringing in the left wing groups, big money, and this is what they do. So here's what I want to recommend. I want to recommend that officials in Texas, including private attorneys who are conservatives and Republicans, investigate the extent to which this Texas sheriff is using taxpayer dollars for political purposes. Because talk about stunts, this is a stunt. So I'm saying that Javier Salazar, the Democrat elected sheriff of Bexar County, which includes San Antonio, should be investigated for how many tax dollars he's using to conduct this effort. And that's what needs to be done. Whether he is defrauding the taxpayers, whether he's misappropriate taxpayer public funds in order to go on this quest, this political quest. And that needs to be done, in my view, quickly. These illegal aliens are not citizens of Texas. They're not citizens of Bexar County. They're foreigners. Bexar County has no laws in its locality, in its locality that covered the governor of Florida, period. But there are laws that prevent hacks like this from misappropriating taxpayer dollars for hack actions like this. Get my point, Mr. Producer? 
he has no, no authority whatsoever to investigate anything. I would also ask if Javier Zalazar has been enforcing federal laws. That is, if he has been notifying ICE of illegal immigrants within his jurisdiction. Has he? He seems to be so concerned about their well-being. So he's opened up a Pandora's box, I say to Republicans and conservatives, lawyers in the state of Texas, and this guy needs to be hammered like hell with the same processes that he seeks to use against others. And this needs to be done to Democrats with badges, Democrats in prosecutors' offices all over the country. It's time to swing back, America. It just is. Now, coincidentally, and it is that, the Attorney General of Texas, since Friday, has been scheduled to appear on this show in our next hour about a major case they want in the Fifth Circuit, which we'll want to discuss. But I'm also going to raise this this newest piece of news with him. Are there steps that can be taken against a rogue local sheriff in Bexar County? I'll be right back, and I hope you will, too. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government, and they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Well, first, I want to apologize. Apparently in Texas, B-E-X-A-R is pronounced Bear, Bear County. B-E-X-A-R is pronounced Bear County. Uh, we're going to try and get the sheriff of Bear County, Javier Salazar, on this program uh, to discuss with him his investigation. Also, I want to call out tonight uh, Governor uh, Newsom. Governor Newsom is very anxious for national attention. So I want to give him some. Uh, Governor Newsom, I would like to debate you for a full hour on this program. I will be fair. But I would like to debate you specifically about your record in California. Now, you know your record better than anybody. You just signed 40 laws, 40 
involving the degrowth climate change movement. But we on this program, we've been following you very closely. So I want to encourage you, Governor Newsom, we will be reaching out to you directly to debate me. Now, I understand a little dabble do you. Uh, I don't have that problem. So you don't have to come with your spray cans or anything like it. But I'm quite serious about this, ladies and gentlemen. I would like to debate Governor Newsom. And I would say this to you, Governor Newsom, if you want to be president of the United States, uh, I believe this would be a very good experience for you. So we have a call out to two Democrats. One is the sheriff of Bear County, Texas, Javier Salazar, who is opening an investigation into the governor of Florida. Now, this has taken off big with the media. You know, when some local sheriff opens an investigation, so be it. Who cares? But the national media, you know, I told you this weeks and months ago. Many of you have said to me, I like Donald Trump, but, you know, the baggage. And I told you, they're going to do the same thing to DeSantis. And they'll do the same thing to Tom Cotton. And they'll do the same thing to Ted Cruz. And they'll do the same thing to Pompeo. And right down the... They're not going to stop with Trump. So get off that line about, oh, I like him, but. There is no but. It's us or them. That's the way they view it. And so that's the way you need to understand it. So we're going to try and get Mr. Tough Guy Law Enforcement, Javier Salazar here, an elected Democrat. Uh, And I want to have a discussion with him about the use of taxpayer dollars. And we're going to have a discussion with the Attorney General, Ken Paxton, in just a few minutes, who, as I say, coincidentally was uh, scheduled to come on this program uh, about their fantastic victory in the Fifth Circuit, plus this sheriff uh, and the sheriff's authority to investigate this. I'm curious about I'm sure this sheriff is very, very busy, concerned about what's going on in the schools, in, the, in his uh, district, whether the kids are being taught sexuality against the uh, will of their parents. I'm sure he's very concerned about all that stuff. I don't know anything about the guy, of course. But who would? Uh, we had uh, Donald Trump in Youngstown, Ohio, Saturday. So many good clips of him, quite frankly. Let us take a listen at this. Here he is talking about our dear friend Mitch McConnell. Cut 19, go. $326 billion tax hike on the middle class and every part of Democrats' inflation-causing spending binge. What a, what a disgrace. I mean, they got $4 trillion, and most of it's just wasted money. Throw it right out the window. It's going to kill us with inflation. I mean, they should have used the debt ceiling to stop it. McConnell should have used the debt ceiling. I could have stopped that thing in one hour, 15 minutes. I would have said, you can't have it because we have a debt ceiling. You can't have it. But they'll come back and use the debt ceiling on us. Mitch McConnell is a disgrace. And I hope you're going to do something about it, J.D. He's a disgrace. He could have stopped all of it. Now, you understand what Trump's saying there. There's a debt ceiling. And so the Democrats are spending so much 
this debt ceiling is going to have to be raised significantly. Which means Biden and the Democrats are going to play chicken again about shutting down the government. And McConnell always says we are never going to shut down the government. And then he adds a line which is a lie which the left always uses. That he's not going to put in danger the full faith and credit of the United States. This has nothing to do with the full faith and credit of the United States. So Mitch McConnell really has never supported in any significant way, never supported as the Republican leader, the longest Republican leader in history. I know it's shocking. Um, he's never supported uh, fighting on this debt limit issue. Ever. Go ahead. They're trying to get rid of the filibuster. You know that. And if they get rid of the filibuster, those courts and you know, the justices on the court, we put three great ones on. We have a couple of really great ones also, but, but they better be careful what they wish for because they're letting these people get away with murder and they're going to be back in the court and they're going to have 23 judges, 26 judges. It started off with, they want 13. I said, they won't stop. They'll have so many judges. You'll have to hire a massive furniture company to build all the seats for the judges. And if they get rid of the filibuster, there's a chance because Mitch McConnell never used the power. He had great power. He had great power. He could have stopped it with debt ceiling. Very simple debt ceiling. Sorry, we can't do it. He could have even been nice about it. Sorry, we can't do it. We have a debt ceiling. We can't do it. What a shame. They've used it on us. And this guy didn't want to do it. I don't know what his problem is. He is the worst leader. And you got to get him out of there. I agree 100%. I've been saying it for, what, 10 years, Mr. Producer? Before any other talk show host. 10 years. And he's backed by National Review. He's backed by the Wall Street Journal. He's backed by the Never Trumpers. He's backed by this. But he's not backed by the Republican base. As a matter of fact, he's the most unpopular Republican of them all. Even more unpopular than Romney, who is despised. Here's Trump on the FBI in Youngstown, Ohio. Cut 18, go. We'll also have to move quickly to fix the rot at our federal law enforcement and intelligence agencies. Just this week, it was revealed that Igor Denchenko, I think that sounds like a slightly Russian name, the foreign national who fabricated some of the most ridiculous smears and lies in the phony steel dossier, it was all phony. How would you like to be me and go home and explain that one to my wife? Darling, it wasn't true. I swear it wasn't. Remember that one with the hookers from Russia? Darling, I'd like to explain this to you. It was all phony. It was all a phony, made-up, corrupt thing by the Democrats working with a paid informant of the FBI. Remember, we were supposed to be working with Russia. It was the FBI and the Democrats that were working with Russia, and now it's all coming out. And I hope they make a big deal out of this, not sweep it under the carpet, because I think it's one of the biggest stories in 50 years. If that were a Republican instead of a Democrat, it'd be the biggest story, it would never end. In other words, the FBI was paying a Russian who made false smears to try and take down the president of the United States. That's true. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? It's true. All this is coming out now. Then finally, cut 17, go. The radical Democrats view 75 million Americans as enemies to be canceled and suppressed. Ain't going to happen. 
They want to censor you from the internet, banish you from the public square, get you fired from your jobs, target you for destruction with 87,000 new IRS agents. Oh, we've been fighting that. We've been fighting them. Use the FBI to spy on patriotic parents and criminalize political dissent as if we were a third world country, a third world dictatorship. But the thugs and tyrants attacking our movement, and there's never been a movement even close in the history of the United States, have no idea of the sleeping giant that they have awoken. It's so true. And this is why they hate him. He keeps taking them on no matter what they throw at him. And this is why they hate DeSantis. He keeps taking them on no matter what they throw at him. But Trump in particular, he's slamming the FBI, even though the FBI is trying to take him down. All the lawyers, I guarantee you, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Shh. But why not? Nothing to lose at this point. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, it's a pleasure to have here the Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you, Mark? Very, very well. Um, first of all, tell us about your tremendous victory in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Well, we had a really well-done state law passed in the last legislative session protecting uh, people in Texas from uh, censoring based on viewpoint. And uh, we had a Fifth Circuit ruling in our favor on various grounds, saying that these uh, big tech companies cannot censor uh, and that our state law stands. And in many ways, this will have national implications, I think, because it's going to be very hard for these tech oligarchs to just limit this to the citizens of Texas, don't you think? Yeah, and I think you'll find other states that will follow suit. I mean, we were successful in the Fifth Circuit. There's no reason that other states shouldn't protect their citizens. And and certainly their argument that somehow this violates the First Amendment, the the court said, no, that's not the case. Uh, Editorial discretion is not. Uh, is not the First Amendment, and this regulates conduct, not speech. So conservatives who go online are free to speak their minds, you know, particularly when it comes to political issues or or uh, the virus or stuff like that, correct? That's exactly right, and, there, and these companies under the law are also supposed to provide a place for people to complain and also uh, be um, made aware of what the policies are so that they can they can express their views even about the policy policies and how they're operating against uh, conservatives. This is a huge, huge deal. And it, this is an example, I just want my audience to know, of what you can do when you're a Republican, when you go on the offense, when you're proactive, when you're affirmative about your principles. And all the state is trying to do here, and uh, what, the, what Kim Paxton was defending and advocating for, was political speech, essentially, right? That's, that's exactly right. I mean, obviously, you know, as a constitutional expert, expert that the First Amendment was pretty important to the founders, and it's been the, 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 the hallmark of our, of our democracy that people can speak out whether they agree or disagree. They have a place to do it, and they're not being, uh, they're not being stopped from doing that. And of course, there's the argument that this is somehow a business, but 
um, the, the court was right. This is more like a common carrier. And under that doctrine, when you have a monopoly like this, um, there, there, are, there are regulations that apply. And, and we, we have the ability to allow a marketplace where there is no discrimination, especially when you've got a, more of a monopoly than uh, an open market. And you're right. And the court is it's more than a business. They're trying to influence our culture, our society, our politics uh, while being protected by the federal government. So when a state steps up and says, well, not with our citizens, our citizens get to use the platform. You've invited them to use the platform and they get to speak. Now, I have another question, sir. You have now a, a sheriff in Bear County, which includes San Antonio, Javier Salazar. It looks like he's out of control. Uh, he's a Democrat, of course, elected, and he's decided he's going to investigate the governor of Florida, claiming that he lured these migrants into uh, <laughs> going to Martha's Vineyard. And he's inviting these radical left-wing immigration groups to assist him. My, my question is, where does he get an authority like that? These aren't American citizens. They're not citizens of Texas. Uh the governor obviously has some level of immunity, and even more than that, is a sheriff allowed to use state and local taxpayer monies for political purposes like this? Well, look, I don't think one he doesn't have jurisdiction. He's got he's the only thing he can investigate is state law violations. We've been told over and over by the federal government, by the Supreme Court, uh, unfortunately, that we don't have any jurisdiction over uh, uh, immigration, and I don't I don't see how this guy other than for pure political reasons, is doing this. We all know it's politics. Everyone knows it's politics. There is no way that this is a legitimate investigation. And I think in the end, unfortunately for, for San Antonio, their, their leadership across the board uh, is, is, is similar to this. It's become a very liberal, woke city, and it's unfortunate because it's in the middle of Texas. It's too bad. I remember when it was a pretty moderate city, quite frankly. And then politically... Uh, the Republicans had a shot every now and then, as I recall, but it's gone hard left pretty much. And um, yeah, and, and Mark, yeah. that's actually not I mean, not long ago that, um, you know, we had a chance of winning in, in San Antonio. But, the, you know, whether it's the district attorney or whether it's the, the mayor, uh, they just tend to be extremely liberal and take very liberal uh, positions. And in this case, the problem that I see, you see this across the board now around the country. If you're a Republican, whether it's Gavin Newsom saying that, that Abbott should be investigated and sending the Department of Justice letters about Abbott and DeSantis, no matter what you're doing for the cause of freedom, you're now under investigation by some level of Democratic-controlled law enforcement. Are you able to, I don't know if you have jurisdiction for this, because I don't know how it works there, but are you able to look into whether this guy, this sheriff, is acting outside his authority and thereby uh, misappropriating uh, funds or anything of that sort? I'm going to tell you the worst thing about Texas is that there's no concurrent jurisdiction, and so any oh. DA can allow any crime, any state law crime he wants. He can allow any public official to do whatever they want, and they can commit themselves any crime they want, as long as it's not federal. And if that DA says, go commit all the crimes you want, do whatever unlawful investigation you want, there's nothing that I can do about it. And the legislature has never empowered anybody to hold these guys accountable. I'm hoping that that will change because if we don't change it, we're going to lose our state. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And uh, the unfortunately, the Democrats are more willing than Republicans to conduct these kinds of uh, investigations, I, I think, and I'm sorry to say this, if the Republicans would do it more back at them, 
maybe then the Democrats would think twice about pulling triggers like this, don't you think? Well, there's no doubt. I think part of the problem is, like for me, I'm limited by the truth, the law, and decency. And these guys are not. They will ruin your life if it is if it works out for them politically. And so they don't care about what they do to families or what they do to individuals. And the fact that it's not true is irrelevant. In, in, in Texas, all you have to do is go into a secret grand jury and claim that somebody's committed a crime. It doesn't matter if it's true. It can be 100% false. And once you're indicted, there's no remedy for you and there's no consequence for the DA that did it to you. It's just amazing to me that this fool would reach across the states into the governorship of Florida. Um, I mean, who is it that's violating our immigration laws? Who is it that's created this horrendous, inhumane condition on the southern border? You guys are struggling with this day in and day out as a result of the Biden administration. Here's one of his hacks who happens to have a badge. He's going to open an investigation of another governor. I mean, have you ever heard anything so stupid? No, but I understand why they're doing it. Look, this this whole thing that the governors are doing, sending a small number of people to Chicago and Washington, D.C. and New York. And Martha's Vineyard shows the hypocrisy that here they are. They claim they were sanctuary cities when Trump was there, when all the border protection was there. And now that suddenly they're getting a few people their way, suddenly sanctuary cityism isn't such a great thing. And they all need to stay in Texas, Florida. You're terrific. We want to have you back, sir. God bless you. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit fastgrowingtrees.com for details. Do you ever talk back to your radio? Then you must be listening to Mark Levin. Pick up the phone and call 877-381-3811. Mr. Producer, how can I inform this fantastic patriotic audience of my podcast on Wednesday. Where do they go? Can you open your microphone? They can find it at marklevinshow.com. Are we advertising or the Wednesday show? Platform. I can't hear you. Or their favorite podcast platform. Or their favorite podcast platform. When do we air it? Do you recall? It's on Wednesday. Wednesday right? morning. So Wednesday mornings, whenever that is, it's a brand new about 45 minute give or take podcast once a month I'm not trying out for anything but it's on the election so I'm trying to do additional things as time goes on and I may in fact do a lot more podcasting live but please check it out Wednesday morning marklevinshow.com that'll tell you how to find it or 
Go to your favorite podcast platform. Is that correct, Mr. Producer? Wednesday morning. It's our third segment, our third show, I should say, on the election. I have a lot of fun doing it, too. It's a lot of fun, quite frankly. And I just finished it. Let's go to some calls. Riley, Conover, North Carolina, the great WHKY. Riley, please go right ahead. Hi, Mark. I just wanted to call and say thank you for being the voice of the sane people of the country and uh, to give you um, praise for your uh, knowledge of of our Constitution and the, um, the, 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 the advice and to let us know that we have a fight to try to win back this Congress. And I'm trying to do everything I can to help that happen. I'm a Iraq and Vietnam era veteran. God Went to Iraq you. in 2004. And um, then I came home and found out that the, um, the country had changed and it's changed uh, very much since then. <clears throat> but um, thanks for people like you and Sean Hannity and a few others that um, this is this is our fight um, that we have to try to win. Um, I just want to let you know I'm thankful and love to listen to you and watch you on TV every week. Thank you, Riley, and God bless you, and thank you so much for your service, and you take care of yourself. Just so you know, my mindset, I come to this job, <clears throat> excuse me, every day prepared, because it's not really a job to me, it's a love I like doing radio more than any of the other things that I do. Uh, and um, I come prepared. I give it a lot of thought. I mean, right now I've got 12 other things I wanted to discuss, so you have to prioritize these things, right? And unfortunately, I can't get to all of them. But uh, I treat you know, all of our affiliates with respect, I show up, I do what I need to do, I take less vacation time than any other host, local or national. Uh, it's not because I'm some great uh, Spengali or something like that, it's because this is what I do. And one day I won't be doing it anymore. And the country is in dire straits, dire. And I have to do what I can do to try and save her, with your help. Let us go to Bill. Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go right ahead, please. Hey, Mark, I just yep. want to let you know you're a great American. I listen to you every day, and your message is loud and clear. Thank you, Bill. Um, Where are you, Bill? You're on Long Island, right? I'm on Long Island. I'm in Amityville. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I have three young grandchildren. I love them dearly. I look in their eyes, and I almost cry. Yeah, I, me too. Worried to death. If this, if this administration keeps sabotaging our country like they are, with their lies, starting mm-hmm. at the top with our president, we are in big, big trouble, more than anyone could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. This country is in a bad way right now. It's funny because my wife and I talk about this all the time, the kids and the grandkids. What the hell's going to happen to them 10, 20, 30 years from now, half a century from now? What's this country going to be like? I mean, the racism, the uh, 
the 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 economic situation, the open borders, uh, the external enemies on the move and so forth. I just uh, I feel like our ruling class, as I call them, I just feel like it's the weakest, worst, in many cases, most diabolical ruling class that we've ever seen in this country. And then we have this counter-revolutionary movement, this American Marxist movement that's destroying us from within. But I want to thank you, Bill. God bless you, my friend. Let's keep going. Milos, New York, the great WABC. How are you, Milos? Mark, I'm okay. Good morning. I was just so mad when I heard the guy defending these uh, these guys who are trying to do the lawsuit. The first thing they do when they get in that free country they were dreaming about and running from sure debt is to try to take advantage of of it's 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 exactly proof that they are actually not looking for asylum. They don't deserve that. They they just material uh, here after material. I was I was in the in the anti-communist underground in a Czech. I was persecuted, persecuted. I was 36 months sentenced for as a political prisoner. And when we was running away wow. with my wife, Mark, I was shot at. When we after three days being lost in a forest. Yes, finally to the German, to the German little town. He was crying and kissing the ground. We, we, something meant for us. The same actually in America. I'm 30 years here when your show starts. I'm, I'm doing deliveries on Manhattan when your show starts. Uh, I'm holding steering wheel with my left and my right hand is on my heart and when, when the anthem plays. It, it means something to me. Mm-hmm. Well, thank God you're here and your family. And I want to thank you, Milos. I'm sorry you've been through all that hell, but we've got our own battles here to keep this country from uh, falling off the edge of the cliff. And I want to thank you very, very much, my friend. Let's go to David, Long Beach, California, the other end of the country, 870. The answer. Go right ahead. Yeah, yeah Mark, uh, I'm the guy that called you President's Day to tell you about the to and out of the Russians in 1939, just to refer your memory, and two days right. later they did number three. But anyway, and from Berkeley, uh, the conservative. So today's subject is also from that era. We studied Wilson in college in 59, and one of the things they keyed on, uh, somebody has just written a book on the Palmer Raids, A. Mitchell Palmer working for Wilson, staged the after-midnight raids, and without warrants, picked up hundreds of people and put them in a dungeon on Ellis Island, eventually on a ship to Russia. Are you familiar with that? Yes, and these are people who had disagreed with him on the war, mostly, but others as well. You're right. Others in there, like Emma Goldman, I'm pretty sure, was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the anarchist. But right. uh, I'm glad. So I just, as long as you were on Wilson, I wanted to get to it. And what's interesting uh, about that is that when I heard there's a new book out or reasonably new that I heard on our American stories if you don't know it get it from them they they have a, a network uh, that you can get to easily online and the gentleman wrote a book specifically on the Palmer raids and a couple of them the November 1919 and the January 3rd 2020 they sound like Hitler's night of the long knives except 20 years earlier and they picked up hundreds of people without warrants on those specific big raids. And one of the squad leaders was J. Edgar Hoover. This is before the FBI was formed. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, what about the so-called great FDR? Rounded up 120,000 Japanese Americans, 70,000 of whom were citizens. Right. 48 hours notice. Moved them to uh, 10 internment camps in the interior of the country, one in Arkansas. They lost their property. They lost their uh, liberty. And um, the Supreme Court upheld it, a 6-3 to three ruling with his buddy uh, Hugo Black, as uh, writing the majority opinion. All right, my friend, I very much appreciate you and appreciate your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I hope you folks had a chance to watch uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin last night. It was a great show, not because it's Life, Liberty, and Levin, Charles Payne is fantastic. Adam Laxalt, fantastic. And um, I believe my opening statement may have opened a few eyes and put some context to what the FBI is doing, investigating this January 6th and so-called fake electors. Because if you weren't able to hear it, you can go on marklevinshow.com. You, you can go on marklevinshow.com. Twitter, Mark Levin Show Parlor, Mark Levin Show Truth Social. Is there another one? And Mark Levin Show Getter. Any of those sites, uh, we, and Rumble, of course, and we have all those, uh, geez, that's like five, six places. Uh, we, have, we believe in diversity. Uh, five or six places where you can hear it. By the way, there are some who very much limit their exposure and that helps because they can increase their numbers on one platform or another I don't do that I make a decision based on whether or not I want to support a platform I'm still waiting for this Twitter thing to shake out quite frankly but that's why we're there and that's why we're on all these other sites we want to help get her in parlor we believe in true social we believe in rumble and, of course, the mothership is MarkLevinShow.com. That is the website. A lot of interesting things going on right now. Things I can't even talk about. With Blaze, with Fox. Interesting. I guess I can say it, right, Mr. So the contracts are coming up, right? Did you know that, Mr. Producer? No, they've all come to me, so we'll see how it goes. Something has to give someday. I can't do it all. I do need a little bit more time. I don't know if it'll be this cycle or another cycle. But uh, we shall see. Joe Biden declared on 60 Minutes that the pandemic is over. It's over. Right before the election, it's over. Right before the election, Trump's home is raided. Right before the election, we're going to have some more January 6th hearings. Oh, yeah. Right before the election, the media is getting all worked up about what happened at Martha's Vineyard. I would tell the Governor DeSantis, if I might advise him, keep sending, keep sending immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. But please add Rehoboth Beach, and I'm sorry the people in Rehoboth who listen to the show. All right, just have the bus go in front of Joe Biden's home. And look, I think they'd enjoy Rehoboth Beach more than, say, Camden, New Jersey. Not that everything against Camden, New Jersey. It's been a while since I've driven through there. And Martha's Vineyard, I thought everybody wanted to be on Martha's Vineyard. Even the Obamas bought a uh, 
what was it, $15 million, $12 million home? I'd say they bought it in a swanky white neighborhood, but there is no neighborhood. They have like 6 billion acres. Yeah, they're living the life in this horrible country. They're living the life. What can I say? America sucks, right? That's why all these people want to come here. But the hypocrisy is not lost on anybody. Blue-collar workers, white-collar workers, the American middle class, Americans, regardless of your income, you see what's happening. You see that Biden is in existence. He's in the White House to redistribute wealth to his party, to redistribute wealth to the wealthy in his party, to give student loan forgiveness, I guess is what they call it, to the wealthiest. And, uh, of course, uh, massive spending, which helps, apparently, some of these wealthy individuals, too. I'm all for wealth. I believe in it. I'm all for success. If you want to be a billionaire worth $50 billion, why do I care? That means you're doing something good. You're doing something that people want, unless you're a billionaire welfare recipient. And many of these left-wing Democrats are. They rely on government. There's billionaires and there's billionaires. There's billionaires who invent things. There's billionaires who invest people's money and help them with their retirement. And they're really, really good at it. There's billionaires that start businesses and provide people with the kind of seed money that they need. And then there's billionaires who make their money off of government. Government programs, government redistribution, government laws to kill their competition. The former type of billionaire... I want to thank them for all the creativity, capital investment, research and development that they are involved in. The other kind of billionaire who is a leech on society, who needs government in order to be rich. They're nothing but welfare recipients, and I despise them. And most of them are Democrats. Just the way it is. We've got all kinds of laws and policies in effect to help them and to help their party members to redistribute wealth to left-wing groups. That's not success. That's welfare, and that's stealing. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, the men and women in Taiwan and Ukraine, and, of course, you, the American people, who make the whole damn world work, as far as I'm concerned. 